Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist and now a health coach based in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. I started this podcast in 2020 to help you live a better life. My guest today is Shanna Husson, an integrative dietitian and insulin and fasting expert. She spoke my love language talking about the benefits of intermittent fasting. You'll get to meet her right after this. All right, let's spend some time right now thinking about the flooring in your home. If you're home, that's easy. You can look down and go, meh. And if you're in your car, you're someplace else listening to this podcast, it may not bring you uh, happy, happy feelings. When you think about your flooring and you think you need to replace it, I got a guy. I got a guy and a gal. Uh, In fact, I've got the entire Akel family just about. Akel's Carpet One, akelscarpetone.com, three locations in central Arkansas, These people know flooring. In fact, not only do they know flooring, they're very generous about their flooring. And I say that, not just their flooring, all the products that they sell now at Akel's Carpet One. In fact, if you have a home, an entire remodel, they can take care of just about everything but the appliances. It is really sealing the floor now because they have things like kitchen tile. They've got your backsplash. They can do, obviously, the flooring. They can do the fixtures. They can do the cabinets, all the things. But let me tell you about some of the options that they offer. One is if you don't love your floors, they'll replace them for free. Yeah, the floors you get from them. And they've got a 10-year warranty on the stains for all custom rugs. And these are the people that beat the big box store prices. Why haven't you called them? So many of my referrals have reached out to Akels. I appreciate it. Tell them Lisa Fisher sent you. AkelsCarpetOne.com. School starts back this month in Arkansas, and there are a lot of families that are going to rely on Jess's Chicken for an easy pickup meal. You can do that because, you know, they've got the drive through Those of you from Arkansas know that the Bubba's family closed their properties on Sunday so you can worship. So, okay, cross that one off your list. But the other six days a week, you can go by and get chicken sandwiches, chicken nuggets. You can take your kids lunch at school once in a while. I don't really think they deserve it often, but once in a while, you can give them a treat. I've taken Jess's chicken to my chiropractor's office and they loved it. Different options they have there. Some are dairy-free, some are gluten-free. The sodas are are high fructose corn syrup free. They use real cane sugar and it's the good stuff. You want ice cream for dessert? Well, you know with the Bubba's properties, also at David's Burgers, they offer ice cream as a dessert and they even have toast and gravy. And for those of you not from the South, go by and check out the chicken fried chicken. Yes, you can get that at Jess's Chicken. It's at I-430 Rodney Parham in Little Rock. Find them online, jesschicken.com. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Okay, we're going to blow your mind with a few things with my guest today. I follow her social media. It's great. We'll put the links in the show notes. But Shanna, you have the letters RD at the end of your name. And a lot of times people with my crazy philosophies don't agree with the austere Western medicine bought and paid for by big pharma philosophies of a registered dietitian. How do you uh, get the two to meld together so you don't blow your brains out? 
<laughs> right. So I've been in the conventional system. Well, I shouldn't say it. I was trained by the conventional system over 20 years ago. So it was a lot of indoctrination that I was fighting against. And it took me a long time to come to terms that whatever I was teaching from the conventional system was not working for my patients and students. So unfortunately, it took me too long to understand that. But yeah, sometimes the acronym after my name, RD, you can also say RDN, which just confuses people even more because it's either registered dietitian or registered dietitian nutritionist. And you can just pick which one you want to put behind your name as, as an RD. But um, sometimes I almost feel like I want to just drop that acronym yeah. um, and not even use it because um, a lot of you know, how we are, we're trained as a registered dietitian, like you said, the curriculum is mostly handed down by big food yeah. and it's funded by big food. And, um, a lot of, like, I just get a couple of emails a week from the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics just to see what they're putting out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's good information. I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not here to bash the, that industry, but in a lot of them, I'm like, uh, mm -mm. like, and and this is what people, you know, we're looked at. Registered dietitians are looked at as the top nutritional professionals, and um, you know, don't argue with anything that a dietitian says. And you know, it's like holier than thou nutrition. And I just, I had to take myself out of that um, several years ago, just because I didn't agree with what was being asked of us to teach. Mm -hmm recommendations. And um, not only that, but if I stayed in the conventional system, I had to teach those guidelines and I just oh, I couldn't forget it. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the conflict. That's uh, it's funny. Yesterday I interviewed a gal who has had success with intermittent fasting as I'm an intermittent fasting health coach and she's leaving the restaurant industry for the absolute reason that she cannot use seed oils. She cannot feel, she does not feel authentic cooking foods in seed oils and serving them to her guests. Th that's really where rubber's meeting the road right now with people with our point of view. And if you're, if this is your first time to my podcast, uh, I think Shannon and I are on the same page with the point of view is that fasting is everything. <laughs> I mean, fasting cures a list this long. I can't even fit in my screen of the things that intermittent fasting has done and changed my life. But fasting is does not hold that place as a reg registered dietitian. Uh, several years ago, so I started fasting in 2017, and in 2018, I hosted a podcast for our. Um, it's a private hospital um, here in Arkansas, uh, Arkansas Heart Hospital. Like I have mad respect for it, but they knew that I was kind of the mouth of the South with fasting. So as a former broadcaster, I was still broad. I was still on the radio then. They. As the host, they said, well, Lisa, why don't you do one segment? Even though we talked to cardiologists and all the things about how to prevent heart disease, they said, why don't we have one of our RDs come on and kind of do a point counterpoint? And Shanna, this was 2018. They were coming to me saying, nope, we still tell people to eat five small meals a day. And that was in 2018. This is 2023 now. Are they still saying that? For the most part. I would oh say gosh. yes, not all. There are some, and there are some, I get several dietitians contacting me through Instagram mainly or sending me emails saying, I really want to get out of this space. I, I respect what you're teaching. I want to teach what you teach, 
but they need the job. They need the insurance. Right, they, need, right. they need to stay where they're, where they're at. Right. So they just keep teaching this nonsense. But honestly, when, when I did work in the conventional system and it's been a long time and somebody would come into our nutrition clinic for whatever disease state, you know, you were labeled with a disease state. Right. And then you, you know, you take your little folder of handouts out for that disease state and you just kind of check your boxes. And I think there's been some headway made in the diabetes area because the new, well, newer, I think it's the president of the American Diabetes Association has type 2 diabetes. And so they recognize that low carb is a very exceptional therapy for type two diabetes. So we're making some headway there and there are more and more dietitians recognizing that eating all the time and, you know, dosing for carbohydrates eaten, eaten is not the way to go for diabetes. Um, well, they want to manage it because they need to make money. (laughs) Yes. That's what everything is. It's just a diagnose and manage diagnose treat with pharmaceuticals. And, and it's hard as a dietitian because you truly want to help people get better with nutrition therapy. It's just the tools and the strategies that you're taught are completely and, you know, not helpful for most people. And when we look at 92% of Americans having some sort of metabolic disease, it's like these guidelines of eating five times a day and eating all these grains and eating all this, you know, even if they're whole grains, whatever, whatever. Not working. And I, I wish we could just take a step back as an industry, not even just the dietetics industry, but so many industries and say, Hey, why, why is 90% of us? Why are we sick? Like even a hundred years ago, this problem did not, (laughs) was not apparent. So it is, it's super frustrating. And, and I do think more and more, um, health professionals, in general, not even just dietitians are leaving the space, but it's hard because then you have to, you know, do your own startup and try to make your own way. And as a dietitian, I was not taught how to be a business owner and how to do all that. So I had to learn that all on my own. It's like, I'm a clinician and a teacher. I'm not a marketing (laughs) and, you know, pod, you know, even my podcast, I had to learn, you know, you have to learn it all while still teaching and putting content out there. Well, I thank you. I thank you. And uh, let's do a quick rundown only because Maria Menounos, I think it's how you pronounce that name. She's, um, she's been on all the channels, all the things just this week. She, um, she's, she had a brain, a benign brain tumor years ago. So she gained some notoriety with that. Then she was infertile, gained some notoriety with that. And then this week she's revealed that she had stage two pancreatic cancer, which we never hear it diagnosed at stage two. By the time you hear about it, it's metastasized. But the other thing she said in an interview on the Today Show was she was just diagnosed. She's got to be 40 with type one diabetes. Is that the 1.5 or the one and a half or whatever when somebody's that age? Because that's not traditional juvenile diabetes, right? Type one can occur at any age. Typically, it's when you're younger because it's oh. just a faulty pancreas of some sort. It's not known. It's it's thought to be even an autoimmune illness. Right, right. Um, it can be caused by a virus, bacteria. It's not right. known, but it can occur at any age. But it's typically more in childhood, and it's. What's really fascinating and not in a good way is that 
children and even babies are being born so insulin resistant that they're now type two diabetes. So we can't even call that adult onset diabetes anymore. It's just type two diabetes because young, young children and even babies are showing up with these high blood sugars because they're basically born insulin resistant and they, you know, they're given their lifestyle, they're just, they don't have much of a chance to be metabolically healthy. Then um, I just had a client because now my big thing is I tell everybody, have your fasting insulin tested, especially if they're saying I can't lose weight. Um, No one ever, you know, we all know that no one ever looks at it until, because you have to ask your provider and they go, you don't want that number. And my clients have to say, well, yeah, I kind of do. So um, (laughs) sure enough, one of them who was having some other issues, she looked a little PCOS too. It just had a baby. I can't remember now, but um, the mother called me and said, Thank you for having us do it. She was diagnosed with the late onset, the LAD. Is that what they call that? It's 1.5. It's the one they're calling one and a half. So are their pancreases working or no? So type one's your pancreas, your beta cells are not working. Pretty much. I mean, there's different stages of it there. Okay. So with... And so sometimes the pancreas might be working at a lower function and it's putting out some insulin, but not enough to keep things regulated. So there's different stages. Typically in type one, the islet cells, which are in the pancreas are completely destroyed. Um, But with type two, and um, the 1.5, I'm not sure exactly what the pancreatic function would be. The type two, a lot of times the pancreas is functioning. It's totally functioning. Yeah. It's drunk. I mean, it is drunk with insulin. Yeah. A good way to put it. And it just, it drives me insane when conventional doctors or providers will not order that fasting insulin test. Why won't they? It's a $5 test. I don't get it. If that, yeah. Well, I was going to say it's like $30 is usually the most you'll pay for fasting insulin. So what I've gathered is that they don't know how to interpret the results and how to treat the elevated fasting insulin and they're on the hook for that if it comes back abnormal I see. and they I don't see. know what to do about it. And the other problem is a lot of the, um, the guides are, um, Oh, what do you want to say? Where the number should be when you're coming, when you're reference getting range, the, yeah, reference range. You. <laughs> the reference ranges will be so different than what is actually healthy because the reference right. ranges are usually for fasting insulin for inpatients, which are very different than oh. outpatients. So when you're inpatient, your insulin is usually pretty high because you're putting out a lot of stress hormones. You're putting yes. out yes. You know, a lot of sure. cortisol and sure. glucose. I see that. It's completely different. So, you know, you might get a, an ins- a fasting insulin back at 15 or 20, which is very elevated and in the Extremely high. Severe, range, severe range. And your doctor will say, oh, that's normal because the reference ranges are not accurate. So there's just a lot of issues. And I can't tell you how many people contact me and say, my provider won't do fasting insulin. What should I do? And there are home kits available that I, I recommend. But Oh, there are? Um, okay. Because I get that yeah. pushback. They'll say they'll run because I always say get high sensitivity C-reactive protein, get a complete thyroid panel, which I have, you know, they'll say, oh, they did. It was a TSH. That's not complete. So it (laughs) makes me nutty. Yeah. As a thyroid thyroid patient that I I would have never been diagnosed if I didn't have somebody finally after four years, 
look at my antibody profile and it was off the page. But um, the one that they come back with is um, he or she won't order the fasting insulin. So I was wondering if they can walk into any of these lab tests now or if they could do it at home and send it out. So what do you Mm -hmm. recommend? Yeah. So if your provider won't do it, you know, always ask your provider, they may or may not. So the, what I recommend for insulin resistance are three tests. There's more that, that would give you a full picture, but fasting insulin, fasting glucose and hemoglobin A1C will strongly give you an indication of where you're at for the severity of insulin resistance. And then, like you said, I like to look at that, that, um, CRP. I like to look at a full lipid panel, especially the triglycerides, because that's tied into, um, into insulin resistance as well. But if your provider won't give you uh, a fasting insulin test, um, I work with a lab provider called ZRT Laboratories. They're out of Portland, I believe. And they will send you just a fasting insulin kit or they'll send you a complete metabolic kit. There's another one um, from so well health that okay. I have linked on my Instagram page. They'll give you a full, so yeah, they mail it right to your door. It's a finger prick. You send it back. Awesome. And, you know, it's more expensive usually because it's not going to be covered by insurance, but you know, if your provider won't get you one, which is super irritating. It's there a are some, huge there are picture. Options. It's a huge look into your health. Yeah. It's for the person who says, I can't lose weight. My doctor says my A1C is fine at 5.6. I'm like, that's not fine. And my uh, fasting uh, glucose is fine at 105. I'm like, that's not fine. But once you explain, look at your fasting insulin, then to me, it's just a game changer. Um, Yeah. And I can't tell you, I can't tell you how many people contact me via whatever method they contact me and say, my provider told me I'm fine because my glucose is 95. Or my my hemoglobin A1C is is normal. But then once I did the fasting insulin test that you recommended, it came back 33. And I'm like, well, there you go. (laughs) There's your problem because those blood sugars are not, it it can be years to decades before those show up as elevated. So um, I've said before that insulin is the smoking gun of our health. It, it has, it tells more and Dr. Ben Bickman, of course, references that and why we get sick. He was the first to explain that I fully understood because even though Dr. Fung talks about glucose and insulin, he never talked about any diagnostic tool or that I remember because yeah. you know, he's pretty sciencey. So part of yeah. it, I probably fast forwarded to the next chapter because I listen to his, I don't read his because it's so sciencey. But until Dr. Bickman explained it and why we get sick, then I could see the picture that it, it told a lot and, um, it's a great barometer of your health. So yeah, he's one of my favorite scientists for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Favorite, (laughs) yeah. Favorite scientist award. Okay. Now let's talk about fasting. Tell me your journey and when you started, how you got involved and what it did for your life. I started right around the time that you did. It was like 2018 that I started to dabble in it. And again, being professionally and, you know, conventionally trained dietitian, I, so my son got very ill in 2016, which is another whole story. But um, because of his illness, we were thrown in the conventional system and they wanted to throw these very, it was an autoimmune illness that they wanted to throw very heavy drugs at. And so I started to do all this research on how can I help him with the root cause rather than just put them on 
you know, forever yeah. immunosuppressants. So I went down every rabbit hole I could possibly look down and intermittent fasting just kept coming up with all of these newer. Oh, for his, know, for his illness, it, you found it as a, a remedy or panacea. I did not. He was only 11 years old at the time. Oh, oh, he okay. got very okay, got ill. And his was um, ulcerative colitis, which is uh, a inflammatory yes. oh, disease, which yeah. it can be very helpful for, but um, not, just not at that age. age yeah, given yeah. his age, we we didn't do fasting, but there are people who do and and yes. completely turn their colitis and Crohn's around. But um, anyway, I I um, was going down so many avenues and listening to all of these newer integrative doctors, and uh, they just kept talking about intermittent fasting. Dr. Mercola being one of them, uh-huh. and I was like, I don't understand that. Like, why wouldn't you, <laughs> I know. you get up like this? <laughs> I me. I like, don't understand it. That's what I said at first. I went, I don't understand it. I thought I had to eat five or six times a day. Yes. And I was an early morning exerciser. I was a Me runner. Too. I was like, I have to have at least Me a string cheese and a banana before I go on my run. It was yes. like, so I was eating <laughs> 5 a.m. until 9 p.m. You know, it's good. It's healthy yes. food. Or at yes. least so yes. I thought that I was just eating all day. And I never had a big weight problem, but I had terrible canker sores in my mouth um, from the time my third child was born. I had terrible bloating. I was bloated all the time. Um, even though I wasn't overweight, I had a I had to work my butt off to maintain my weight mm-hmm. where I was at. I mean, I was running all the time. I was weight training. I was, you know, I had three little kids and mm-hmm. just thought, why is this so hard? Why is this so dang hard? to manage my weight, following, mm-hmm. you know, doing all the things that I thought mm-hmm. I should do as a nutrition professional. So I just started dabbling in intermittent fasting. And even just like, I remember the first day I went till noon without eating. I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that. That's it's all. noon. I, know. <laughs> it I so felt crazy. like I needed a medal or a crown. Yes. Like, I was so <laughs> impressed. Yeah. And so I just started doing it. And then, um, I just kind of, you know, it, there were so many benefits for me and, um, it was kind of a fast forward thing where I was at that time working in a, a digestive health clinic and I decided to just, you know, do an experiment on like 20 people and they all had just fascinating outcomes. We did it for wow. 12 weeks, just intermittent fasting and eating real food. Yes. I didn't even teach all the things that I know now. I mean, this right. was just kind of the a, a small piece of the puzzle. And it was astounding how much success they had. And so I, I you know, went off on my own and I was writing all these handouts for people. And I thought, I'm just going to make this into a book. And so I wrote a book and started to, you know, promote things online and set up my own business. And now it's like, I cannot believe the outcomes people are having. And so I mainly, you know, weight loss is always a huge part of the puzzle for most people that I work with, but I really work on reversing insulin resistance and getting metabolically stable and working on blood sugar regulation. And then that weight will just regulate itself in time. So if you really just focus on the insulin part and the blood sugar regulation, it, it just all starts to come together. And it's, it's for you and me, we've, we had the light switch moment, like people just have the light switch moment and they're like, oh, 
thank you for teaching that like this is not hard. These are simple things. I get it. Like I get why I got sick. I get what I have to do to stay unsick because there's no reason for you to go back to being sick once you know these concepts. And it's just, it's so freeing for people. There's just so much hope and, um, confidence with, with just implementing a few simple strategies that it's not like, you know, 20, 30 years ago where you just, you're on a diet or off a diet or counting calories, you're lowering fat intake. It's just, it's not like that at all. And people get so excited about the sustainability of it. Well, there's no math involved. Right. (laughs) I mean, and there's nothing to think about. You don't, you're not hungry you don't want to eat until it's time to eat because you're not hungry until you're hungry. I mean, the other way, eating five times a day, I was hungry all day because right. I didn't realize they were telling us to put another log on the fire to fuel our metabolism when in fact it was, we now know it was releasing insulin and that's a fat storing hormone. So all I did was I I poked the bear all day with the fat storing hormone. Oh, said, for sure. come on, come on. Cause I got up, I, I've been on the radio for 15, 20 years, getting up at 345, 4 a.m. So I had my righteous high fat, low carb breakfast, but I sipped on that stevia because I'm not a coffee drinker. I sipped on a stevia flavored cherry limeade water while I was on the radio every morning from 530 a.m. to 9 a.m. My insulin was up to here. Oh, okay. So I would leave the radio station. And I had to eat my handful of nuts because that was my second meal. Because I was following, as a thyroid patient, you have to see, obviously, uh, if you see an endocrinologist, don't recommend. But in the beginning, I did because that's who finally gave me my diagnosis. And there's always um, a diabetic educator, but also with diet, they'll help, you know, a dietitian. And then at noon, I got my meal in. And then at three, I got my meal in. And then I ate at six and then I was, I tried to be in bed by 745 to wake up at 345, you know? So I'm saying I did what I was told and I did cardio every day for an hour and I continued to gain weight. And now I know it's cortisol, you know, but nobody told that to me. They just said to cut my calories. And I was so hungry, Shanna, after every meal, I wanted seconds. I never want seconds now. I barely finish because I do eat a meat-based diet, which has such high satiety. But I I never, I never go back for seconds. I I truly don't eat. I'll probably do hamburger patty and eggs when I open my window today. And I might do that, you know, I might have bacon and butter at five o'clock. I mean, it sounds crazy. It's a man's dream. You know, I I am the perfect woman now to my husband that we don't eat salads. But my point is the high satiety I get with what I eat, because I know you get this question all the time and I don't know the answer. Lisa, how many calories do you eat? How many macros, how many fat grams? And I truly say, whatever this vessel needs to keep, just as your car, when it gets on, eighth of a tank, the light goes off or the art mine's a little yellow light in my car time to get gas. And he will even tell you, do you want to find a gas station? That's about what happens. My body at about, I eat, I like eating like one to six or something, one to five at about one o'clock it'll ding. But you know what? If I can't get to it, it's not an emergency. Right. My, my body will switch over and just burn some fat for fuel. Cause I clearly have enough. I'm in the West. Everybody, you know, this, <laughs> 
everybody in the West, you know, truly even third world countries were seeing obesity because of the high insulin rate. So that, oh, I just kind of shake my head with all that. So you started then, did you lose any weight since you didn't need to? You, You lost, I know, the control that macros and calories taught you as a dietitian, but did you lose any number on the scale? I lost a couple of pounds. Um, I, my body composition is I'm 47 right now. And my body composition is the best it's ever been. Probably. That's awesome. That's when I wish I would have seen it. Cause that's when we're perimenopausal. We go through thyropause, meaning the thyroid and the HBA axis all kind of crash at the same time. And that's, you're at the age where I first looked down and went, uh, I've gained 15 pounds and I didn't do anything. I didn't change anything and I gained 15 pounds. So you've really headed that off. Yeah. So I think I was 43 or 44 when I started intermittent fasting and really looking at my carbohydrate intake. And um, yeah, I mean, I eat two meals a day and people say, oh, how do you only eat twice a day? It's like sometimes after if I have a really filling high protein first meal, I don't even think like, I'm like, oh, should I eat that second meal? Like I just, I'm nourished and I don't need to eat anymore. So I'm looking at some of the books right now that I've ordered from dogtalktv.com. It's a site where you can buy books about dogs and the proceeds help the local rescues, especially here in central Arkansas. The author of many of the books and the brainchild behind the website is Pat Becker Wallace. She's a philanthropist and certified NADOI dog trainer. That's a national association for dog obedience trainers. She's devoted her life to helping find forever homes for the dogs, but also matching the right breed with the right owner which is paramount in her dedication to animals. She's loved animals all of her life, but helping the dog rescue organizations is her life's goal now. Some of you might recognize her as the host of a national PBS series. It's called The World of Dogs Biography. She's now writing these books about dogs, partnering with authors to help educate your family, your friends, your grandchildren about the privilege of dog ownership. One of the books, in fact, on her website is written about the dogs at Heifer Ranch and benefits the ranch, which is west of Little Rock in central Arkansas. Go to dogtalktv.com. I ordered some of the books recently. I'm donating them to my granddaughter's school. I bet you have some creative ways you can help libraries as well. Go to dogtalktv.com now, order the books, and know you're helping the rescues. Hey there, while I have your attention, I just want to go ahead and direct you to my website and my social media for other outlets with Lisa Fisher. My website is lisafishersaid.com. My Instagram is at lisafishersaid. Same thing with Twitter. That's because if someone asks you, why did you do something? You'll say, because Lisa Fisher said, because I've been doing the research. That's why I love all the things. I'm a certified health coach and I've got programs for you to help you with weight loss and help you balance your hormones. You can reach out to me. It's all there on my website or on my social media. Go there now, lisafishersaid.com. My body composition um, definitely improved. It, it was, there was a couple of pounds um, that I lost, but it's just like not thinking about food is the best thing oh, about this life. So freeing. Yes. And like you said, it's like, okay, uh, I'm not going to eat when I normally eat, but I don't care. Like I could go days if I wanted to, as long as I'm hydrated and using electrolytes, right. like I can go days and I'm going to be just fine. Um, so that was huge. My canker sores 
basically have went away. Um, the only time I get them, I think I've linked them to like high insulin levels, blood sugar dysregulation, and oh. then seed oils, I think, because every once in a while I'll feel one coming on if I eat out and I don't go to a restaurant that doesn't use seed oils, which is around here. Um, you know, people will a- have no idea what seed oils <laughs> yeah. are. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was huge. But the other thing that's really interesting is my menstrual cycle is like the most, wow. like, it's just like, it's so predictable right now, which is weird because I'm 47. That's and awesome. I, I never had like big issues with my menstrual cycle, but it was not as predictable as it is now. And I, <laughs> other than I, I wear an aura ring that shows me my yeah. temperature and I kind of know like when it's going to be there and the tracking, like I barely know it's coming because I just don't have the symptoms of cramping. Oh, you don't even have PMS? No, I don't. Wow. And I rarely, I, I didn't have big issues with that before, but I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I know it's coming just because my temperature will, will, um, will drop when, when I'm about to get my period, but it's more regular now. And I don't know, I'll talk to you know, if I talk to you a year from now, I might not be that, (laughs) um, you know, I may not be in the same boat, but right now it's so predictable and so on, like, I'm just so in sync with my hormones compared to what I was in even my twenties and thirties. That's insane. Uh, how old are your children now? My kids are 19, 17, and 14. So I have three teenagers for a couple months yet. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> oh, no, I love them. I love oh, the teenagers. Yes. Well, my oldest is in college. So I just have two boys here at home. But I um, I, I honestly love the teenagers. You're years. sweet. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, teenagers aren't as bad. It's when they go to college and they think, they really think they know more than you <laughs> because they've been told by professors that they know more than you. And sometimes they do stupid things, but that's part of growing because yeah, I did them too. <laughs> and that that's part of my life. So with the 14 and 17 year old, um, cause you don't want the 14 year old even to consider intermittent fasting. Do you have a breakfast still available for those boys and they for them they or- eat if they want you know if they're hungry Good. in the morning they'll eat there's okay. some mornings they do you know they're they're off to school pretty early in the summer it's a little bit different they're both very athletic so they burn a lot of calories yeah, so i never sure. put any regulations on them but we do focus on not snacking like Good. if you're if you want a meal you eat a meal and i really um, focus on get them getting enough protein in their meals also because my youngest would just sit down with a bag of nonsense food and eat the whole thing and not think sure. about eating protein and and fiber. So we do that. I'm not very rigid, but I will we do really work on just eating meals and not doing a lot of snacking. I mean, of course, if they're hungry, then of they're they're going to eat, but and then not a lot of eating at nighttime either. Like they know yeah. that that irritates me. <laughs> and yeah. that, you know, if they have a late practice, that's one thing. They can come home and eat something, but this whole ice cream before bed every single night that a lot of kids do or some, you know, just snacking while they're playing video games or whatever. Like we nip that in the bud at our house. And, you know, some people might be listening to this and say, holy crap, like she's very rigid. But those are just things that I want them to understand before they leave my house because I look at my daughter who's 
a sophomore in college, she she's like, mom, I eat healthier than 95%, probably more right. than that of, of kids at college, just because I know it makes me feel good. It's not like I feel bad about eating certain foods. It's just, I know how I feel if, if I'm going to eat those foods. So that's my goal before, you know, the boys leave my, my yeah. middle son will be leaving for college in the fall, but just so that they understand if I eat this, I feel like this. If I eat this, I feel like this. Yes. I, I think once we take uh, agents here, ownership over our eating and understand that it it's not out of a righteous thing or a diet thing. I have no diet culture in my brain. It's right. the fact that if I eat gluten, I, I, I'm going to toot for one thing. My stomach's <laughs> right. going to hurt. Sorry. And right. it makes my autoimmune conditions worse. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to reverse my vitiligo. So I'm having to pull back everything, dairy, everything right now. And I had some dairy last night because strawberry season in Arkansas is magical. And I whipped my own cream and put it on there. And later on, I, I regretted it. So, you know, I have to remind myself, yes, that's there. And maybe a teaspoon of it would have been good, but I just was, you know, after I made my delicious meal that I cooked, I had that and it's just a self-correcting error. And that's what you want your kids to see. Yeah. If I eat that, it's like, it's also the decision they have to make with alcohol. If I drink that, I'm, I'm really going to feel bad. And that's what I think one, I don't know if fasting has done this to me, but at my age, I have lost all interest in alcohol. It, and I've heard Cynthia Thurlow say it too. It just interrupts my sleep and my sleep is the most important thing, even more important than the nutrition is my sleep. So I, I've kind of given it, I mean, I'm pretty boring at parties. I'm club soda <laughs> with uh, salt on the rim and lime when I go to restaurant, when I go to bars and people think you're drinking tequila, which I don't care, but that way the conversation didn't come up because people, they start getting real defensive, start telling you when they don't drink, they don't drink too much and they, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. I just know as for me in my house, I I can't handle it. But have you noticed that um, alcohol is so disruptive then to circadian rhythm, sleep, and your overall, the way you feel? For sure. My relationship with alcohol has changed a lot over the last five years or so. I, when I go out to eat, I get a seltzer water with a lime and an orange and yeah, Yeah. Yeah. people don't. For sure. And again, like my husband doesn't care. My friends don't care, yeah, but they right just on. know I, it, it's not important to me. And like you said, my sleep is more important. I haven't been drunk and I don't, I don't even, it's been years and years, but um, it just doesn't serve me in my body anymore. So for me to even like, sometimes I'll, I'll bend and I'll like have a drink and then I get yeah. home like, what? like, why, what was point of that. I know. If I'm ever at home, it's never like, it's just more of a social yes. thing where you feel like, you know, socially. And I live Every, in Wisconsin. Yeah, for every, everybody <laughs> has a glass of wine or champagne and you're toasting and I take a sip and then I go, I wasn't even that good. <laughs> I know. And I just don't have the desire for it anymore. And, but for sure, if I even have like a a couple of seltzers in the afternoon, it shows up on my aura ring that night as heart rate being elevated for much, much longer than really. Yeah. It will elevate the heart rate earlier in the night. And then the thing with blood sugar with with alcohol is a lot of times people say, well, I see an actual dip in my blood sugar. It seems to be 
helping. Well, yeah, because your body has to stop, <laughs> stop processing all your macronutrients and deal with that alcohol. So you're going to see it. Because it takes priority, right? Alcohol takes yes, priority. Okay. It's definitely. So if you want to turn off fat burning, drink alcohol <laughs> because wow. it's going, your body has to stop doing everything to go and deal with that poison. And so the, you'll see a dip in blood sugar initially, but then you'll see a rise because then your body goes back to having to deal right. with all of that. And so, and that rise in blood sugar, the inflammation that occurs can just, it can be hours to days that you see an abnormally higher baseline um, blood sugar after drinking. So it's just, just, just not worth it to me. Um, and I have, you know, I just went to a, a Kentucky Derby party over the weekend. Yeah, I didn't drink. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care. I have yeah, fun socializing and yeah. I don't need to stay out till midnight anymore. <laughs> it's like, I'm like nine o'clock. Bye. Oh <laughs> girl, you have no idea. I mean, it's, so you get up very, very early. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so I have a client right now. Maybe you can help me. She's 60 years old, postmenopausal, gave up the hooch, gave up alcohol, started fasting with me, but is not sink. She said, I thought if she was drinking a bottle of wine a night, like admit it, I'm drinking mm -hmm. a bottle of wine at night. Um, thinking, cause you know, you get palpitations or I did as when I was going through menopause. So I remember I did drink wine during those years as I was fasting. I thought it would help the palpitations. It does not, but she got into the habit kind of 2020, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But she said now she's been off alcohol. I think she's Catholic. So since Lent, that's February, this is May. She hasn't lost any weight. So what, what do you tell someone like that? What, what, what can she do to help tweak that? Yeah, so I do I do provide personalized protocols for people where they give they fill out an intake form because I need to know like what their goals are, what their medical yeah. history is. Um yeah. and I get people asking me questions like this all the time, like mm -hmm. in my DMs. I'm like, I don't know anything about you. <laughs> I need yeah. to know it's very I need to know your nutrition. I need to know your exercise. Yeah. I need to know your okay. age. I need to know, you know, and her other hormones might be wonked out too. She might yeah. have real low progesterone or testosterone. Right. And, and she's, she's working on yeah. bioidentical yeah. hormone replacement. So it, it's, I guess it's a cascade of hormones. It's yeah. everybody working together. Yeah. It's usually when it comes to weight management, it's not usually just one thing, but what I will say too, is a lot of clients come to me, they're super frustrated. They've done intermittent fasting, like yeah. a 16, eight or an 18, six protocol yeah. forever, but they're not losing weight. It's like, well, that's a maintenance protocol. For most right. people, right. where you're going to hold your health where it is, but you're not going to see weight loss. Right. So you might just need to go, she might just need to go into the therapeutic zone if she had some pretty high yeah. insulin levels to really bring that insulin level down enough where she's going to see some weight loss. And sometimes it's just doing like one therapeutic fast every couple of weeks, like, or a 24 hour fast once a week. Um, yeah, those are really good. I've heard Jen Stevens say there, Jen has said, there's a book called the eight hour diet, which is a great thing to read, but it won't help you lose weight. Just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can yeah. do an eight hour diet and it does mitigate probably insulin and some things with inflammation. Right. But if you want to get serious, you, you really do have to rip right. the bandaid off and do, I mean, at least 20 and four. Like yeah. Even five. a couple of times a week. Cause it's like hour 20 where that insulin, the really magic. Goes. Yeah. 
And so if you're just doing 16 to 18 hours, yeah, you're holding your health and your weight where it should be. That's going to be a great maintenance protocol for you. That's true. But to flip it and to actually reverse the insulin resistance, if it's more severe, you're going to need a little bit of therapeutic fasting, most likely, and some carb restriction too. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about what everybody's talking about, and it's Ozempic. Let's talk about the the GLP agonists that are there's Monjaro, Ozempic, Wagovi. They're different different names for it, and they've been around. Ozempic's been around for years, but obviously, we think the Kardashians started it. Everybody in Hollywood, Chelsea Handler even said her doctor just said, "I'm calling this in for you." Like you don't even have a choice, right? And ozempic face is an issue. It has a black box warning for thyroid cancer. What are you telling people? Because you don't come from big pharma influenced anymore. You come from what's best for the body. What do you tell people? Yeah. And where it got so popular is it went from being a type two diabetes medication only to now an indication. Yeah. If you have a BMI of over 27, now, you know, now all of a sudden you fit the bill. Although there's plenty of people who do not have a BMI of 27, just taking this and, you know, taking it for five pounds of weight loss to go on spring break kind of thing, which that's what I, that's the part of it that gets me the worst. It's like, there are type two diabetics who can benefit from this and, you know, get their disease process at least under control enough where you can start to implement some lifestyle changes. But, you know, I'm always, I'm always going to be impartial to lifestyle Mm -hmm. if, if you can see you know, changes there. And the problem is people are put on Ozempic. They're not asked to change their lifestyle. They lose all this weight. And the the most recent research study that I've seen with Ozempic, um, I think it was either 20 to 24 months after coming off of it, um, that they saw like 66% of their weight regain. And the other critical thing to think about with Ozempic, because I think there is a, a small population that can benefit from taking absolutely. it, yeah, you know, and, and, and when it's used as indicated. Um, but my, you know, one of my main um, fears with it is a lot of people are, are losing a lot of muscle mass with it. Yeah. And so you come off of it and you have lower muscle mass status than when you went on it. And now your metabolism's wrecked because you don't have that muscle mass and you haven't been taught lifestyle, proper lifestyle modifications. Um, and you know, it's like all the programs that I teach are doing what Ozempic does. <laughs> it just takes a lot longer. Yeah. You know? And it's free. What we talk and about is free. Yes. Yes. It's just, And I get it. I get it. It's when people have been overweight and ill for decades and they just want to feel better. They don't want to go through all of the the lifestyle modifications and having to work at this for several months to maybe even some couple of years. Um, But but that's my fear is just that it's it's used when it's not indicated to be used. You lose the muscle mass and weight regain can be a big problem just because we haven't learned proper lifestyle modification. Well, you mentioned protein and, um, I know a woman over 40 really needs, I mean, roughly they say 0.7 to one gram per pound of protein for ideal body weight. So let's say 140, you know, you weigh 140, you, your goal is 140. You need like between 120 or 140. I can't do math, but you get the point. <laughs> How I have someone right now who said she's dealing with someone who's 55, who is a vegan. 
how in the holy heck is that woman ever going to get the protein she needs by, you know, licking soy, which is the last thing you need or any other, you know, vegetables all day. I know we've been so lied to about macronutrients. It's, it's criminal, but um, I usually give women a really easy target of a hundred grams of protein or so to shoot, you know, put that as your target to start with. And it is, I mean, women have a really hard time meeting a hundred grams. It's hard as much yeah. as I eat because I get full so easily. It I get to maybe <laughs> 90, uh, 95. Sometimes I throw in a shake or some more eggs, but it's hard. To, and I weigh 150 it pounds. Is. It is. So I'm, you know, most of my students are eating twice a day. So I'm saying, you know, aim for 50 grams of protein each, each meal. Um, as your target. And I have them target that over anything else when they're first starting out. Um, And I post like what I'm eating all the time on my Instagram page because people just don't, they're like, how do I get 50 grams? And like you said, sometimes like a supplement or a shake, it's just, you know, you find a good shake and that can be a good way to to hit your target. but it's tough. And I, I, people come to me a lot and say, I'm vegetarian, I'm vegan. And I still do your program. Like you can do my program. It's going to be a lot more difficult, especially if you're vegan. Cause I always say like, will you at least eat eggs and dairy <laughs> or fish? And that makes it a, a little bit easier. But I did do a, a podcast episode with, um, an Indian. She was an, of Indian descent. Yeah, and, and they're South, yeah, South Asian or, or vegetarians. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she developed insulin resistance after she having did. her baby. And she was very educated and she knew that it was due to too many carbohydrates. So she actually wrote a cookbook. I think it's called The Vegetarian Reset. And I had her on my podcast and she was a wonderful guest. But she um, was able to reverse her insulin resistance only because she increased your protein enough and decreased your carbohydrate, which is tricky as a vegetarian, but she was still eating eggs and dairy. So that, that makes it a little more, um, manageable, but yeah, it's, and it's so, it's so troubling because, um, you know, young girls just think vegetarian and veganism is, is the way to go. Like if I just eat more carbs and I don't eat meat and then it just setting you up for hormonal issues and being, like you said, being hungry all the time and high and, insulin and, and, and PCOS. Right. Yeah. My daughter has PCOS and it wasn't because, you know, just because yeah. of her car, but oh my goodness, she's almost 20. And just to, to turn that ship around has been, you know, and she's got, I, I'm an insulin resistance expert. So yeah. it's, it's hard once these girls get to the point of having hormonal issues and not getting their periods because they're not eating protein. They're not even eating fat, which are all the substrates for all your hormones and your sex hormones and your neurotransmitters. And they're just so deficient on these things. Their bodies just don't have the raw materials to make the hormones and for you to feel good. And, and so then you don't, don't get your period. So it's, it's really, it's really sad. All right. Let's talk about insulin resistance. It's an epidemic right now and it must be processed food, seed oil. I mean, I'm just using deductive reasoning, um, high carbohydrate diet influenced by the Kardashians who tell people to eat beyond beef. Please people don't 
Don't you, you don't want to listen to my podcast if you eat like that, because I, not that I, I'm not here to shame anybody, but you'll think I'm nuts because I'm thinking about the next hamburger I'm going to have or steak. So what do you think is the impetus then behind this type of craziness that people want to eat fake meats and the convergence of insulin resistance? Well, yeah, everything in our lifestyle is driving insulin resistance. All of, you know, you go into the grocery store and 80% of the food system is fake food, high yes. insulin, pr- promoting food. And yeah, the fake meat industry just, ugh, it drives me wild. But I will say yeah. around here, at least, like I used to go like, even I would say last year, I'd go into Costco and it'd be like many sections of the freezer section were beyond meat and beyond meat. Products where now it's like it's diminishing more and more, and the sales of those products are just tanking, Good. Good. which is great yeah. because they just I just don't understand like how how people can even think that something with fifty ingredients and a mile long ingredient list is going to be better than beef. But it's just how we've been conditioned. And I can't tell you how many people will comment on things on my Instagram posts. Like, well, I thought eggs and beef drove, you know, I have high cholesterol, so I can't eat those. Or I have, it's just, we've been just so, it's so hard to turn the misconceptions Uh of nutrition, high saturated fat and cholesterol being one of them, high salt being, you know, like Uh that is another issue. It's like all of these issues that we're, we're telling people that fat and salt drive, it's all driven by sugar and processed food. Absolutely. Uh, who, who, someone says, don't blame salt for what the sugar's done. Don't blame butter for what the sugar's done. Don't blame meat for what the sugar's done. It's all processed foods. And it's the processed salt that's in those packaged foods. If you get, this is why I tell my fasting clients all the time, uh, cause we do a five week meeting if we're doing it in a group in the first week, I say, by the end of the fifth week, I'm going to save you so much money. Cause number one, your eating volume decreases as an intermittent faster. Number two, they're going to start saying, I don't need processed foods. And that cuts it out. And then you don't need the $10 coffee from Starbucks because you're going to be drinking black coffee. So I'm going to make you rich. If you're in my fasting groups, and I say that way, it's an overstatement. I'm going to make you rich. But the point is those processed foods, we need real salt. I wish I'm at my desk, but my Himalayan salt's great. My Celtic sea salt, that Morton salt, throw it out. The, The stuff that's in a package in a soup can, make your own soup. I mean, just make your own soup. Yeah, there it's it's like I said, it's just so much indoctrination for the last 50 years. And people are just they want to feel well. They want to follow the guidelines. It's not like they're non-compliant. They They just don't understand. And um big food, I mean, obviously doesn't want anybody fasting. I mean, (laughs) they don't want people to know that. Uh, sodium chloride made in a manufacturing plant is terrible for you and that you should have real salt. Real salt. We don't want you to know that there are 57 kinds of sugar that are in, so probably more than that, um, in just about every processed foods. They, they don't care. They don't care about your health. They don't care about the health of your kids. They just want to make money. And they, they'll slap anything on that 
They'll put keto on it. They'll put low fat. They'll put low carb. They'll put any all natural, anything on that label to get you to buy it. They don't care. So just, yeah, just eat real food that you know what the heck it is <laughs> and you'll be so much better off. And like you said, those, those foods, those real foods are what tell your satiety centers, I'm full, I'm nourished. Like you can eat the junkiest food all day long and still just be hungry, hungry, hungry because it's not. And so going back to where you saw like in third world countries, we'll, we're seeing people obese. They're obese, but they're malnourished. It's like right both at once, which Isn't is that really crazy? crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, what's the one thing you want to leave us with? Like what's the one thing that's really on your heart now in 2023 that people we've we've uncovered a lot of the myths but what do you, I mean, what's our next thing that you think we're about to roll into that we're, it's going to blow our mind. Seed oils blew my mind about a year and a half ago. So I've been, you know, on the seed oil train since then, but what's new do you think on the landscape? Yeah. Seed oils still blow so many minds. Yeah. And even me as a dietitian, it's only been in probably the last five years that I was like, oh my gosh, I yeah. didn't know seed oils were so terrible. So we already talked about seed oils and alcohol. Um, you know, I don't know if this is like a fad, but I just think that, you know, people are going to start to realize how simple it is to get healthy. <laughs> it is. Honest to God. Like it's, it's that's a good not, way to put it. It's not hard. Like you just, once you know, and you can't unknow what is going on and you basically do the opposite of most of recommendations right. <laughs> out there. For sure. Um, oh, and one thing I, I will mention, this isn't even really nutritionally related, but I've, I've gotten so much like I had a post or a reel on Instagram a couple of weeks ago that just went off because people saw it as so controversial. And I was listing like 12 things that, that I do that might surprise you. And I put avoid sunscreen. No, holy mother, you would have I, thought I no, like, no, I, I commented on it and I've gotten, I've oh, gotten dear. so many likes because I too have said avoid sunscreen and I get the same pushback. And once oh I want, God. I want to challenge somebody to look at the sunscreen labels, they're carcinogenic and yes. that fireball the sky. Yes. And our, and your blonde and blue eyed relatives <laughs> two generations ago, guess what? They didn't have skin cancer. Nope. And the seed oil connection to to burning and like that's fascinating to me. I haven't seen a ton of research, but I know more is being done. Like those yes. who eat a lot of seed oils and processed foods tend to get burned more and yes. have more skin cancer. And so I just say to people, yes. like, cancer is multifactorial. No matter what cancer it is, is if it's on your skin, if it's in your liver, if it's in your colon, like not just one thing caused that. And yeah, so I got, oh my gosh, I got hammered for that. Like, you don't wear sunscreen. I can't believe that. And you don't put it on your kids. I'm like, I never said I'd never wear sunscreen. Right. I said, I avoid it. And, and avoid sunburn. I, do, I don't put a crappy one on that right. has That's right. pretty carcinogens in it. I'd rather right. get all done, put a shirt on, put a shade, you know, get in the shade or use, you know, I do use a mineral based one if I absolutely have to, but it's not often because- uh, there are so many benefits from the sun and I love how it. Can the most natural thing in the world be so terrible for us. So I, I did think of that as I was, I was going through that. <laughs> That's great. I love that. I saved it. In fact, on my phone, um, because you listed, you had it on your screen. I thought it was so important. So I always say if God made it, eat it or use it. And you know, the sun sleep, these are, that's what I'm saying. Everything I talk about is free or really affordable. You know, right. I, I don't want you to buy anything extra. 
Because I'm saying don't buy the sunscreen. I'm saying, you know. Industries have, don't like us, Lisa. Yeah, that's no, true. I know. They, they, well, I, I'm not here to make a dollar off anything. So right. my, my future's not jeopardized because I'm not supporting a platform that I don't support. So right. it works out fine for me. Maybe this is why I didn't go to medical school. That, that <laughs> and that I'm not smart. But because I couldn't do it, it would drive me crazy. It would drive me yeah. crazy. Well, you're a great guest. Thank you so much. We'll send people to your social media, um, your Instagram, where you're stirring things up all the time, saying crazy things like don't wear sunscreen. Right. And, and don't eat breakfast every day if you're not hungry. Don't eat breakfast. I mean, the breakfast is the most important meal today. Mine will be at about 1.30 today. <laughs> yep. And don't that's eat all... for breakfast. That's another yeah. thing that people get all up in arms about. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Good job today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.